Last week we started a, a prayer series called um, Praying for a Breakthrough. And we honestly need breakthrough in our life, don't we? Whatever situation that you're facing right now, I guarantee you there's, there's at least someone in this room that needs a breakthrough, whether it's financially, life right now, because, I mean, frankly, lately it's been stale. Maybe that's it. But you need Jesus Christ. You need a breakthrough. What, um, what we talked about last week was the, the most complete and comprehensive prayer that Jesus gave us, and then what we called the Lord's Prayer. And you remember how it goes? You know, you can do it for me. Let's go KJV style again, right? That was fun. All right. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then here we go. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. As we talked about last week, allow that to guide your prayer life. Okay? It doesn't mean you just repeat it all the time, but what it does is it's got so much variety and so much depth to it that we can allow it to guide our prayer life. And that's what we want to do because we want to break out of that boring prayer life that we've been having where we just go and we say, God, bless me, keep me, bless me, keep me, bless me, keep me, bless me, keep me. And we want to break out of that mode to where we can see how we could grow into this relationship. Remember, because we said prayer is simply a relationship with God. Mentality, it becomes hypocritical. It becomes anything but prayer. So we pray because we have that relationship with Christ. And to build relationships, we build it by, through conversation, don't we? And just being in His presence. And so I want to build on that message from last week with a message called passion and persistence. When you think of the word persistence, who comes to mind? When you think of that word persistence, maybe it's a car salesman trying to sell you on the latest deal, right? Maybe it's an athlete pushing um, through the pain toward the end of the game. Uh, maybe it's the telemarketer on the other end of the phone. Let's just leave it at that. When it was, it was my uh, friend Justin. Uh, he moved into our neighborhood about around my seventh grade year. And he knew that I played basketball growing up. I played uh, all types of basketball, played for traveling basketball teams, played for the school, played all day, every day. That was my life. And he knew that he wanted to play uh, alongside with me so that he could improve in his game because he frankly had no skills. All right? But he loved the game of basketball. After a while, I got a little sick of it. I was like, you know, he's coming over every day. I'm trying to work on my own game because I want to get better. But then I saw his heart. I saw that he really, truly wanted to become a better basketball player. He wanted to learn from someone that was a little bit better than him. I wasn't the greatest in the world, but I was a little bit better. And he wanted to learn from someone else. And he kept coming day after day after day. He'd want to play a, a game with me. He wanted me to teach him some skills. He wanted me to teach him the, the basic fundamentals, those things. And he did eventually get better. But it was what, his heart that really captured me. And I'm thinking, you know, what do these people have in common? These people, when we think of the word persistence, they're bold, they're unrelenting, they're passionate, and they have a never-give-up attitude. Does this describe your prayer life? And if not, Why? Why not? Could it be that we don't really believe that God 
can answer our prayers. Maybe you've been praying to God about this certain thing for a long time and you just have not seen any answered prayer. And maybe that has just kind of put out the fire in you and you say, you know, I'm just not going to keep praying about this. Maybe you've given up hope. But whatever it may be, what is it, how does it describe, how do you describe your prayer life? Now what if, um, what if we really wanted to God, what God to do what we really all kind of wish he would do, and that is immediately answer our prayers? Can you imagine what it would be like in this world if God immediately answered all of your prayers? Every single one of them. How would you pray from then on out? I mean, it would be a scary world, right, if God answered every single prayer. No matter what the prayer was, no matter what the motive was behind it, God answered your prayer. God, I want a new boat. Boom, you got it. God, I want that person over there to leave the United States. Boom, you got it. God, I want a new job. You got it. You want a new boss? Immediately answered all of our prayers. And how would we pray? We would pray superficially, wouldn't we? We would pray not according to God's will, but according to our will. But why is it that God makes us wait sometimes? Or does he make us wait? Why is it that God does not immediately answer our prayers in our timing? Well, Jesus had a lot to say to his disciples about this. Luke chapter 18. As Jesus is about to tell this story, and as he tells this story, we have a lot of hope. Just look at the very first verse. It says in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That's good news already, right? Jesus himself is saying, keep praying. Don't give up yet. Hold on now. Always keep praying. Um, we think about that. We think of the verse in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.17, I believe it is, where in the NIV it says, pray, pray continually. In the KJV it says, pray without ceasing. Okay? And we always think about that. What is that exactly? Does that mean that I've got to close my eyes 24-7, even while I'm driving? Right? I hope you don't do that. Please, if you're going to pray while you drive, keep the eyes open. That's a good thing. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? Some have suggested that you are in a prayerful state throughout the day. It doesn't mean that you're always actually saying anything, but that you're in a prayerful state. Um, um, others have said that this word actually is translated, um, uh, this word continually, this word, I don't have any time to pray. <laughs> you ever said that to yourself? You know how ridiculous that sounds? I ran out of time to pray today, God. I'm really sorry. <laughs> when you hit your, hit your pillow at night, you're like, oh, I need to pray quick. It's a good idea. About two minutes in, you're asleep. Do we really have time to pray throughout the day? Of course we do. Of course we do. And I want to talk about some of those things a little bit later on in this message. But um, Jesus gives us hope here. He says, don't give up. Always pray. And so he tells this story, starting with verse 2. He says, in a town, certain town there was a judge so in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. 
And for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Now, during this week, I, I, I normally don't read our, our uh, local newspaper, just Life of a Judge. I was like, well, I would read about this because um, we're talking about a judge in here in this, in this passage of Scripture, so I'd like to see what's the life of a judge like. So I started reading through it, and it really interested me that I wanted to share a little bit with you that this judge, and I won't name who he is, but, but um, he says this, a typical day starts with a calendar call on Monday morning. In criminal court, I sit in front of a jury unless it's a plea case. I also have to do a jury selection. The rest of the week, um, says he spends his time working through the trials of his docket, which is a list of future court cases. Uh, he says, it's usually pretty busy if you're in a rural or urban district. He also knows that after his time, this is really cool, he has spent, after the time he has spent in the court system, he is still learning. I've been in this field for 23 years, and every day is a learning process. You never know what will come up. I thought this was kind of funny. He shared some of the memorable experiences that, of what people have come in and, and said to him as the judge, you know. And he shares uh, some funny responses to some speeding tickets that people had to say. This is the life of a judge. He says one, one guy said that he was speeding because he had used high-octane gas. <laughs> Another said their windows were up, so they didn't know how fast they were going, um, 93 miles per hour. One woman claimed, a another woman came in with a note from her mechanic that said that she could not go under 70 miles per hour. He said, I asked her how she stopped or started her car, but that didn't really fly either, he said. So. But listen to this judge's attitude and commitment to his job. I read this toward the end of the article. I thought this was really neat. He says, I owe so much to the people of the community for keeping me in my position. I'm thankful that they have faith in me. Many people don't go to court very often, but if something happens to their family, then court becomes important. If it were me going to court, I would want someone competent who knows what they are doing. I hope that is what people feel like when they come to see us. As I read that article, I thought, this is a judge that really cares about his job. In the community, he cares. He cares about justice being done. But in this passage here, Jesus is describing a judge who doesn't give a rip about God or about people. And just to, know, just to let you know more of this kind of carelessness, this evilness of this, of this judge here, it's how he relates to this widow in the story, right? It's like, don't blame for you, or I'm sorry, but you need to, I've got more important things to do. And he kept shunning her and shunning her and shunning her. Now, widows were among the most vulnerable of all God's people. And in fact, one scholar commented that in that day it was very difficult for poor widows to get justice because they lacked the means for bribing the officers who would get the judge to act. Yeah, this widow went straight to the judge, didn't she? Her persistence at, at this judge day after day after day. But to show you just the carelessness of this judge and how unfit he was for his job, in Deuteronomy alone, it describes what should be done to the widows. In describing God and how he relates to the widows, Deuteronomy 10.18 says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow 
and loves the alien. Through 21 it says, Do not deprive the alien, the fatherless, of, of justice, um, or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I have commanded you to do this. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it there for the alien, the father, fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from the trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien and the widow. In fact, Deuteronomy 27.19 says this, Cursed is the man who withholds justice from the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. And in Deuteronomy 1, 16 through 17, it says, And I charged your judges at that time, Hear the, dis the disputes between your brothers and judge fairly, whether the case is between brother Israelites or between one of them and an alien. Do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike. And that was just in Deuteronomy alone. There's many other scriptures that talk about how you're supposed to treat um, those who were the kind of the, the outcast of the day that, they, that, that people didn't pay much attention to, especially the widows there. And so we see that this... But yet, she keeps persisting. And so this is what happens. And after he tells this story, uh, Jesus says, look, listen to what the unjust judge says. Okay. Now, Jesus is not comparing himself to this judge. We must be clear of that, okay? Because God is not about, um, God does not think that you're bothering him, okay? Casting himself to this judge. He says this, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, or those who are, Christ followers who he has poured out his grace upon and they have responded to that grace, his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night. Day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When I read that this week, I was like, man, it hit me so hard. When the Son of Man comes, when Jesus Christ comes back, will he find that kind of persistent faith? Will he find that kind of persistent prayer life? Will he find that when he comes back? I hope I don't give up praying. I would hope not. And um, Wesley Duell, in his, in, his, in his book, Prevailing Prayer, it's on your notes as well, but I want to share with this with you. He says this, To prevail is to be successful in the face of difficulty to completely dominate, to overcome and tie up. Prevailing prayer is prayer that pushes right through all the difficulties and obstacles, drives back all the opposing forces of Satan. Spiritual victory is won. It kind of reminds me of like a, um, a cowboy tying up a calf in a rodeo. Joys the rest of his life. He went out there and said, I do, to the love of his life. George Strait was in the wedding along with his dad. I mean, how can he not forget that? Clint Cooper, second generation champ, straight in tie son. Get it, cowboy. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. You knew it was going to happen. Absolutely. You just didn't know yeah, we're good with that. He had to. That's the type of uh, persistent prayer we're talking about. You go after it until you, until you that, that prayer is answered, man. Rope that thing, all right? Go after it. 
don't give up Jesus is talking about, all right? Tie it up. And so Jesus is talking about this. Am I going to find this type of faith on earth? Because remember, he says this, as he's contrasting himself to this judge, he says, they will see that they get justice. I mean, their, their, prayers, their, heirs, their, their, their prayers are going to be answered. And it says what? And quickly. And we're like, okay, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> How quickly are we talking about here? Because, you know, I've got, <laughs> I got some things going on. I used to drive a Jeep Wrangler. And that uh, was my favorite vehicle of all time. I loved it. But that thing was slow as molasses. It was a four-cylinder. And any time, Candace remembers this because we started dating when, um, when I had that Jeep. Uh, Bleep right? Okay, good. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, we were dating, yes. And uh, we were driving that, man, how many times did I put myself in a hole up here? Uh, and so I'm like, any time we get on the interstate, you remember, you, can't even, you couldn't even hear a conversation talking because it was so loud in there and, and the Jeep had a soft top and everything else. And we're, and we're driving, and I love Jeep Wranglers, but whenever you get on the interstate, and this thing was a four-cylinder, it would take me literally like five minutes to catch up to speed to everyone else. Everyone's honking their horns at me, going by, waving, and, and, um, and, I'm, and I wave back, say, hey, and, in a pure way, I wave back in a pure way. Just so you know, I'm <laughs> waving with a full hand, all right, full hand, thank you. Okay, just want to make sure pastor's cool up here, all right? But every time, I was like, man, it would take me so long to catch up to speed with everyone else. I'm like, why can't I go faster? And everyone else is like, why can't you go faster? I'm like, my Jeep doesn't allow. I wanted to speak to the people through the window, but they could not understand me. And they think I think they thought I was, which happens a lot more than over here in North Carolina than it happened in Indiana, is that there was a couple times where I flew off into the ditch, um, whether it was an icy day, a snowy day, whatever it may have been, and it would go right off into the ditch. But the cool thing about the Jeep Wrangler was pop right back out. It would get right back out. And everyone else that was waving to me are off on the other side of the ditch, <laughs> other side of the road in the ditches and everything else, right? So how many times do you think in our, in our prayer life, God, would you just speed this up a little bit more, all right? Because this is, and he's like, hold on now. He said there, he is acting quickly. It's just not in our timing. And he will get us out of that ditch in the perfect timing. I remember one of the times that I had spun off the road, or spun, uh, yeah, spun someone off the road there. Uh, thank goodness there, were, there weren't a lot of vehicles around at the time. But, however, there was a large semi coming my way. I mean, I'm talking from here to that wall, that semi was coming. And I'm like, I know he can't stop. There's no way. That Jeep instantly got out of that did. I know the Lord was helping me, <laughs> believe me. But it just popped right out of that thing and I was on my way and I got out of the way in time because otherwise I was like kind of hanging off the road here. I mean, believe me, our timing's not perfect. Remember, if God were to answer all of our prayers immediately, that could be a really scary thing. Think about all the prayers that you have prayed in your lifetime. Some of those things don't line up with the will of God. And sometimes those prayers that need to be answered to be answered at a later time. So we've got to keep that in mind. So what's the main principle that we can take away from Jesus' parable about prayer? And how can we apply it to our life? Well, I think we need to know this this morning, is that we need to pray with expectation once again. To pray with expectation in light of God's character. 
Because we see so many times your perspective of God can change the way you pray. That's what we talked about last. Just going into the presence of God is prayer. He wants you to simply come. Just coming into his presence. And if you look at him as a father figure, you may say, you know what, I grew up with a horrible father. My father was bad. My, you know, whatever it may have been. You, you may say, I had an abusive father when I was younger. Or my father um, abandoned us when we were little. I don't have that father figure in my life. So how am I supposed to relate to God who we are supposed to call? That relationship can be so tight that you will get what you've never gotten before, that love. That love that, that um, is not based on, on, on circumstances, but really based on your faith in him. He loves you no matter what. He wants to help you and guide you in your life, protect you from, from going off into the deep end of, of the world's ways and, and getting corrupted and doing all those other things. He wants to be there for you. He wants to help you. He wants a relationship with you. And we've got to pray with expectation once again. God is going to answer our prayer. It may not be yes. <laughs> it may be no. But God will answer our prayer in his timing, in his timing, in a passion, in prayer. We need to develop a habit. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, 10 through 11, Daniel developed a habit of praying at least three times a day. What's your habit been lately? Have you created good habits in your prayer life? Do you have a specific place where you go? Um, Jesus talked about the closed door prayer. Do you have a place where you can kind of get away from everything and, and just be there in communion with God? Do you have a certain place you like to go? Can you get away? Can you have, can you have the quiet times throughout the day? Are you praying continually? Are you creating that habit? Because remember, it's a relationship with God. It's not that so that we can say we prayed this amount of times per day, but because we want to go to our Father. They develop an attitude. An attitude like Jacob. You remember Jacob in Genesis 32. He wrestled with God all night long. Give me that blessing, God. Give me that blessing. He had that development, that never give up attitude. Develop an attitude in prayer. And then develop a passion in prayer. You remember Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says that his, his uh, sweat was like drops of blood. Intense, passionate prayer. Your will be done, Father, not mine. Your will. And what about a lot of three and a half years? Then he prayed again with passion. And you know what? God made it rain again. It says Elijah was a man just like us. Isn't that great? Develop a, a habit, an attitude, and a passion in prayer. Um, just recently, uh, this week, it was my daughter's birthday. She's three years old now. And uh, we, we decided, we were, Candace and I, were going to take her to Build-A-Bear uh, workshops. That's how they involve you in it. And so Ella got to pick out this, like, cat kind of stuffed animal thing. And um, so uh, we went to the stuffer lady. I don't know what you'd call her. So anyway, she's stuffing it. So we're, we're doing it. So we're, and, you know, you had to put, like, a, a fake little heart in there, and then they sew it up, and you're supposed to, like, hug it and do, I don't know. You, you do all these weird things. But as you go through that process, you know, it, 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 be, it becomes your own, everything else. They actually have a birth certificate with it, all right? And then they put it in this like little box, or they put it in this really kind of a 
really the box about this size really and you put it in there and and it, it looks kind of like a house you put the animal in there and then you're off off you go so we did this with Ella she had a great time with it loved it it was adorable watching her going through this process she named her cat sugar all right and um, when we got home uh, and we had dinner we well, actually we went out to eat before we went home um, I was like hey you want to take you know and take the cat out of the box stuff? no daddy no no that's his home I was like oh, okay okay we get home, I'm like, hey, Ellie, you want to get out sugar and play with it and stuff? Like, no, Daddy, <laughs> this is home. He stays in there. <laughs> the next day, <laughs> I'm like, surely she's going to take it out, like, you know, go to sleep with it, do something like that, something cute, play with it. I'm like, Ellie, you want to take it out of this box? No, no, no. So the cat was actually out, so he was actually, uh, could play with it. But I think so many times, oh, man, our prayer life can look like that, can't it? Until we honestly believe that God is bigger than the box, that he cannot be contained, that he can actually answer our prayers as we pray according to his will. And if we could actually believe that, then we don't have to always put God in this, you know, you know what I'm talking about, just putting God in this, in this what, what we think of that, that only he can do and what he can't do and everything else. God is so much bigger than we even imagine. And when you come into a closer, deeper relationship with him, you'll realize how little you know about God. God will answer your prayer in his best way, in his timing. Let me leave you with this quote from Philip Brooks. Prayer is not conquering God's reluctance, but taking hold of God's willingness. Would you take hold of God's willingness today? Do you really believe he can answer your prayer? Are you going to pray with passion and persistence and never give up? Father, Heavenly Father, Papa, our God, our Savior, our Lord, Thank you for giving us this encouragement in your scripture today to always keep praying and to never give up. Father, I know that there are so many in here that need a breakthrough. And they have given up hope. And they've given up coming to you because they're just not sure if you're going to answer them if it's really worth it. Father, would you just encourage us today? It is worth it. Coming into your presence is always worth it. You created a way for us, Father. How grateful we should be to be just to be able to be in your presence. We don't have to go through someone else and we don't have to go through made that way possible by dying on the cross, being raised to life once again, tearing down that curtain so that we may be able to come to you. What a privilege it is. What an awesome, awesome privilege it is just to come into your presence. Father, may we not give up. May we have an attitude, Lord. May we develop good habits in our life. And may we be passionate in prayer and really believing that you're going to move mightily in our life. 
The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. May we be that, Lord. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.